Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolfing, Gavin Shaw here, and your New York Knicks lose 114 to 98 on the road to the Boston Celtics. Second game of a back to back. And they really missed RJ Barrett, who was out with a headache. Hopefully, he took plenty of Excedrin and can get ready for Wednesday. But Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle put their best foot forward, had really good games. Ultimately, just not quite enough for the Knicks to overcome the super deep, super talented Celtics. We'll talk about it more next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome into Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in sights and sounds on YouTube, we appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if you want to hear from us uh, before, after, in between every game, and right from the text messaging app of your phone, you can check us out on subtext. So be sure to check that out in the episode description if that's something that interests you. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief and Nick Sight to Strickland. You can find Strick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And I am clearly almost fumbling over my words, but I, I held on. I held on like a running back that got it and, you know, bobbled a little bit and then managed. I was, I was like Alan Lazard, uh, wide receiver sure. the other day uh, for the Jets. You know, nice bobbling catch because that's about all he can do. Uh, <laughs> this isn't locked on Jets. This is locked on Knicks. Gavin, it was uh, it was an interesting game here. We were talking about before we started recording. It was one of those where even when the Knicks were keeping it competitive, you just kind of had that feeling that it wasn't going to work out for them in this game. And mm-hmm. and I shared that sentiment. I mean, the short R.J. Barrett, you know, that's the Knicks' star power right there is being able to have RJ Brunson and Randall out there all at once right now. And without having that against a team that has four guys that can really torch you uh, in Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, and Holiday, a- along with the great role players that the Celtics have, I think it was just a little too much for the Knicks in this game and and where they ultimately just kind of I – I wouldn't even say they let go of the rope late. They kind of just ran into a buzzsaw when Jason Tatum – went like god mode and hit a bunch of threes and just completely buried them to end this game yeah it felt like the the phrase i kept throwing out to my uh, nets loving roommate who who just had a big smile on his face throughout the whole third and fourth quarter um was uh, the knicks uh just kind of ran out of talent um that that's what it felt like and in the first half like when they were winning Obviously, they just had the, that terrible final two-minute stretch where they blew. I think it was about an eight-point lead, and the Celtics just came right back, and they let out multiple leakouts. One of them was on Julius Randle, where like Peyton Pritchard just sprinted right down the court. And then uh, after Jalen Brunson hit a crazy shot with seven seconds left, like Jalen Brown answered right away with a three. And you just got the feeling like, all right, if those types of shots are going in for the Celtics, there's just no way the Knicks are going to be able to score with them. And and for the people who listened to it, like when we had our Fix the Knicks episode, like I was talking about – that Pelicans game earlier in the year and just just how small the Knicks looked on the perimeter against like a team with with kind of freakish modern long wings. And the Celtics are are sort of the ultimate example of that like it's a team full of like velociraptors with with 20 foot wingspans and no R.J. Barrett. Like the, the thing that stood out to me the most was just 
the Knicks' lack of dribble penetration, and, and we talked about how good their ball movement was last game, Alex, but you, you only get that ball movement um, like by like crashing into the paint and like drawing defenders and, and getting defenders out of position because if not, there's just there's nowhere to swing the ball. And we saw, I mean, Brunson was certainly able to win one-on-one a lot in this game. And honestly, it was it was just a lot of Julius Randle in terms of generating those swing-swing sequences. So we will we'll get into it, but give him a lot of credit for, again, playing unselfish. But it, it stood out to me that Emmanuel quickly, like a guy who torched this team on this court, like what, like uh, nine months ago now, like couldn't even come close to replicating that effort. Like he, he did almost nothing in this game. Quinn Grimes, who we hope to see make progress in that capacity this year, like he was weirdly silent in a game that I thought like, all right, golden opportunity for him to have a big night. Josh Hart had a pretty good game, but it was mostly just him shooting uncharacteristically well from three. I say all that to say uh, the Knicks desperately need RJ Barrett. And I think it's a little worrying again, maybe only against the best teams in the league, but a little worrying that the Knicks like couldn't get more from other guys. And it, it really stands out as a weakness when, when one of those big three is out. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, it doesn't help that Tibbs decided to go eight man rotation in this game, too. Like, it definitely seemed like part of it was that this was an extremely physical game. And I think the Knicks just kind of ran out of gas in a way, you know, where it's like you're only putting eight guys on the court. You know, you've got multiple guys playing around 40 minutes like you had Josh Hart at 43, Julius at 38. Mitch at 33, Grimes at 28, uh, so a little lower, but Brunson at 39 minutes. I mean, most of your starting lineup, you know, they're just out there just just running into dudes constantly and, and you know, dealing with the, the physicality of this game, whereas Boston was able to kind of, you know, they had Tatum play like 40 minutes, but everybody else, and Holiday played 37, but everybody else was able to play, you know, a little more reasonable of a minute load and you know, they also only ran an eight man rotation, but it just felt a little they felt a little more spry down the stretch. Uh, you know, when you're able to give a guy like Derek White a little less minutes so that he can kind of, you know, be disruptive late in the game like that. That's super helpful. And so I, I think that was just kind of what what ultimately bit the Knicks in this one. And to your point about the role players, I thought they did pretty well. I mean, I do think that it would be really helpful if the Knicks just had another guy that could kind of step in and be counted upon. In situations like this, like it would have been really nice to see Deuce McBride out there, even for like five to eight minutes instead of just a minute of garbage time in this game, I think, because I just think that we would have seen, you know, he could have gone out there and potentially messed with, I don't know, like Drew Holiday for a minute or Jalen Brown. I'm sure that he was, you know, would have been like salivating at the opportunity to try to make Jalen Brown use his left hand, Um, you know, anything like that, I, I think could have been a good opportunity to give Deuce a little bit of minutes. And he was given minutes the last time that RJ was hurt. So it was a little weird to see Tibbs just kind of go with this, but I think it just kind of goes with when these two teams play, it feels like a playoff mentality. And, uh, you know, I think that was how Tibbs was approaching this game. Like, like this was a playoff game. And it seemed like the Celtics were too, to be fair, you know, both teams really brought their all to this one. And uh, ultimately it was just kind of the Knicks just ran a little short in the talent department, like you said, and, you know, there's only so much you can do when you when you're facing a team that has you know a potential MVP candidate in Tatum, along with three other All Star caliber players that they start, and you're short your one guy who's been playing like an All Star this year. Um, but also, lastly, I'll just say in regards to just missing RJ, like his physical brand of getting inside and drawing free throws, and not only that, but finding ways to finish around guys like Porzingis, like that was one of the most eye opening finishes early in the season was in that opening game when he had that like 
extended arm lefty layup uh, around Porzingis that somehow evaded Porzingis's huge wingspan. Like stuff like that would have been really useful for Marjay in this game too. So I'll be intrigued to see what things look like the next time these two teams face off. Hopefully the Knicks are fully healthy then at that point and still have like Randall and Brunson playing as well as they have been and still have RJ playing as well as he has because it would be intriguing to see how they stand up against a team that like, I mean, as much as it, it's painful to admit as a Knicks fan that the Celtics are probably the favorite to win the title at this particular moment in time. So, you know, it's hard to even fault them for losing this game in the slightest, but yeah, it was still, you know, I wish things would have gone differently, obviously. Yeah, that was that was one of my main takeaways from watching this. That um, and and look, maybe maybe we'll get to have our, our shot and fraud moment as Knicks fans. Like like the Celtics have obviously famously had breakdowns in the playoffs over the last few years. If they if they don't win a title this year, or sorry, if they don't make it out of the Eastern Conference, because Denver's obviously a worthy opponent, but if they don't make it out of the Eastern Conference, it's embarrassing this year. Like especially with how Milwaukee looks, there's there's zero reason they should not be a postseason team this year. Um, and then my other uh, final point on this is that uh, if Emmanuel quickly wants to be a 25 to $30 million guy, like this is just the kind of game that he like just no qualifiers needed, like has to show up in 26 minutes, one for 10 from the field did make four free throws was pretty good rebound. He was, he's actually, he was tied for the next second leading rebounder in this game with six had the same amount of as Mitchell Robinson, which is partially a product of KP pulling him out, but that's, that's also a problem in its own right. Um, but that is like he like he was getting into the lane early and it was just so clear like Porzingis at the rim really, really affected him. Once again, it would have been cool to have Chris Depp's Porzingis on this next team one way or another. Um, and, and then he just seemed hesitant from there. Like there was there's a play in the second half where Peyton Pritchard of all people just kind of locked him up. And again, like if you're like he was awesome the other night, he's mostly been awesome this year. Um always going to be super high on him but if you want to be that guy and you want to be like a starter on another team in this league you got to figure out something you got to get to the line 10 times if your shot isn't there and he just had nothing tonight and I think that more than anything else Alex when you're missing RJ Barrett like that murdered the Knicks in this game yeah for sure and uh, we'll see you know how how things progress with quickly if he's able to I mean look I'm not super worried to be clear but it is yeah it was Definitely, I would say his weakest performance of the season to come out there and shoot one of ten. Uh, he still did some of the things that he does well, but like the distribution was way down, and it was mostly because whereas Brunson found ways to kind of, which we'll get to in just a second when we get to our next segment. Brunson found ways to take what the defense was giving him and still make something happen uh, quickly. Once the once they kind of you know turned the water off on him, wasn't able to quite figure out what to do. You know, it didn't have a plan B. Uh, to figure out how to, you know, get into the paint, how to set up his teammates and how to make things happen uh, as much as the rest of his teammates did. Uh, but we'll get into Brunson and Randall in just a sec, because I do think that they had some pretty awesome games uh, between the two of them. But first, I got to remind everybody that today's show is brought to you by Ibotta. And how does free Thanksgiving sound? It is an expensive holiday. Lots of food, big old turkey. Well, this year, Ibotta is here to give you cash back and help make sure your Thanksgiving table is complete because who wants turkey without the gravy? Gravy being money. Uh, starting November 1st for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. 
Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can also earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too. When you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. So download the Ibotta app now and use code LOCK to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. So that's right now for those of you keeping score at home. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. All right, and we're back in to continue talking about this loss to the Celtics. And, you know, Gavin, to be clear, you know, we've kind of said the Knicks looked outmatched or whatever. They did keep things pretty close up until about the five-minute mark. Jason Tatum hit a four-point play. Most of the half, right? Yeah, they were winning for a decent part of the first half. And then, you know, things were close and seemed like it was going to maybe go down to the wire. I think the, the Tatum four-point play to me, I was watching a little bit behind because I was watching on DVR. And uh, so I saw the final score at about the point that it was like 95 to 90 or something like that. And then Tatum hit that four point play. And then I was like, Oh, this is where things turn south. And it turned out that was exactly where they did. But prior to that, I mean, I thought that Brunson and Randall, I mean, Randall, you know, still not the, not quite the shooting percentage you want to see from him, like 37% overall, 25% from three, but got to the line 11 times shot 82%. From the free throw line, had five assists, nine boards. I thought that he he had more of a sense of urgency in terms of getting to the offensive glass in this game, which was good. And that reminds you a lot of like his great play last year. And then Brunson was sort of getting figured out, like the rest of the Knicks team was uh, in that third quarter. When, as they noted on the broadcast, the Celtics started switching more and started, you know, just kind of trying to hound the Knicks that way, and it was really bothering them. But then Brunson identified that pretty much immediately, started actively seeking out Al Horford. Poor old Al Horford uh, just got torched by Brunson a bunch of times. And uh, I thought that Brunson had a really solid uh, solid game by the end of everything as well. So uh, I'll leave it to you with which one to talk about first. But I, I thought that, if nothing else, the, the play of those two was pretty encouraging in this game. Yeah, let's, let's start off with Randall. I mean, can we just like this – is, this, is this is probably a bigger – picture conversation but like i i almost want to like throw up like thinking about like covering him it, just in the sense of like like we're forced to do a doom pod once every like three years and in some ways it's not every three years once every like once a season maybe twice a season um and then he just and then he's just normal again and it's like and it's like one of those things where like it would be like if like your boss just showed up to work naked one day and then and then just came in the next day and like acted like nothing happened and it's like all right, I guess we, I guess this is just life now, right? Like he's back to normal. Like he, like last few games, he's just been, he's been awesome. Like I, I think about the contrast between this game and the first Celtics game where Drew Holiday just tortured him. And this game, like two minutes in, he just gets Drew Holiday on his hip and gets right to the middle of the floor and scores. And you're like, oh, like he could just do that. And he's like living at the free throw line this whole game. And his passing was so good. 
for most of the night. Like he had won in the first half. Benji tweeted out a clip of it. If people want to go watch it, but he was double teamed and he like just waited for the exact right moment for the double to come in the past. Like he would have taken another four seconds from there, but he immediately pivoted, whipped it cross court to DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo swung into the corner for hard. That was, I thought like the fact that Josh Hart got off to such a good start was a testament to how good the Knicks passing is this year relative to past seasons. He was, he was just getting wide open looks that he wouldn't have gotten. He had like this ridiculous, like double pump and one baseline jumper that while he was comparing to the famous Larry Bird shot, which, which might've been a little bit rich, but was still really nice to see um, had an awesome cut when like Jalen Brunson was trapped um, to, to get a dunk at one point, had another one off of Hartenstein um, to get like a finish. Like he, he was really active. Like it wasn't a perfect game for him. I mentioned like he let out, let up that leak out. Like he had another play where like, he just didn't get back down the floor because he was too busy complaining about a foul. Um, and then on offense, there were, there were a few different ones where he really over dribbled. And one of them led to like a really big three pointer. I think it was for Jalen Brown in the third quarter. Um, so there were, there were frustrating moments, Alex, but by and large, I thought just like another really solid, really good game for him. And I, I guess we just got to pretend our boss was never naked because th- this seems to be what the norm's going to be for him from now on. Yeah, you know, I, I think, too, one thing that stood out to me was just the the absolute disdain he seems to have for Porzingis. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a great point. That goes all the way back to when Porzingis was a Nick and Julius was a Laker. But, I mean, he just – he hates Porzingis, man, for whatever reason. I mean, there was one point where he – between that and Sabonis, like, is he just anti-Eastern European guys for some reason? Like, is that a theme? Maybe. I don't know. I hope not. That would be problematic. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, he, he, okay, he doesn't ahead. seem to want to try to like body Jokic every time they play. So maybe that's I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't want to deal with Jokic and all of his brothers. I don't know what the case would be there, but uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it, he damn near cracked one of Porzingis's ribs at one point um, by like barreling into him so hard and drawing a foul and and you know completing the play. Uh, so that was pretty cool. I do wish that he had, you know, his touch still just seems like it needs a little work right now for whatever reason. Like there was a number of probably the reason that his field goal percentage was so low. There was a number of times where he kind of bullied his way to the hoop and then wasn't quite able to finish it. Uh, and I I wish that that hadn't been the case because like he, he did the work. He got all the way in there and, you know, just wasn't quite able to finish a few times and then had the rebound, you know, tried to get like an immediate offensive rebound mellow style and just kind of had it snatched right out of his hands and wasn't able to finish those plays a few times. So I think that like, if you're, if you were just box score watching for this game, you might be like, well, he shot like crap, but really he was creating great opportunities for himself. And he was like inches away from having probably like a 35 point game, you know, if he had just managed to finish a few more of those layups. So I I really liked his process. You know, I liked that he was trying to space the floor, especially like he was very much playing the RJ role. Like he got cast in that in the second unit which I thought was a good look uh, where he was out there with Hart, DiVincenzo quickly and Hartenstein instead of RJ in the time that RJ would normally be playing with that lineup. And I thought they did a really good job there. Um, yeah. In general, I'm with you. Like the, the passing too was, was tops. I mean, he was, he was the chief distributor in this game. You know, he was the guy that the Knicks were looking for to kind of like stir the drink a bit. And then Brunson was more the guy that they were relying on to, you know, get the ISO opportunities and just kind of get to his spots and make the shots tonight, uh, which I, I thought worked really well for him, uh, which I guess is a good segue to to get to Brunson as well, where I just thought, you know, I mentioned he got, he switched himself on to Al Horford a bunch of times. 
he kind of just knew what was working for him in this game. Like clearly had a very great uh, warm up sesh from mid range because he was looking for that shot all game and was hitting it. You know, I would gripe maybe a little bit if they weren't going in, but they were. So it's like you can't you can't fault on a make. You know, you can't you can't like get mad at that. So uh, I was I I just thought this game was was very complete. It's kind of like, what more do you say about when Brunson has a good game like that? Um, I, I did think that the most the most notable thing, though, was him being the one, and whether that came from the sideline or not, you know, he's like the floor general. You know, he's the guy that's out there to to direct this offense and, and set the tone and everything else. He was the one that first identified, like, the Celtics are doing something that's not that's making us not work right now. Let's Let's seek out switches that work for us. And, you know, attack them that way and try to break them out of this defense because the Knicks have traditionally always had a really hard time, especially under Tibbs, adjusting to if a team goes zone or if a team, you know, switches their defensive scheme midway through because it's not something that they can ever, you know, conceptualize because the Knicks never switch their schemes ever um, on defense. So, you know, it's it's a foreign concept, but I thought that Brunson did a really good job of of like identifying that starting to attack that. And that did for a small period of time start to shift the tide at least a little bit. And that kept the Knicks tight with the Celtics for a bit until again, you know, Tatum just kind of went supernova and ended things late in the game. Yeah. I, I thought it was notable that Breen really early on in the game picked up like, Oh, Jalen's like taking this extra seriously. And, and to your point, like he, he just wants to kill the Celtics every time the Knicks go against them. And, and, and this felt like even without RJ Barrett, like he was out there and he was looking for a game similar to the one that he had in Milwaukee. And I thought he tailed off a little bit late. Like he, he just didn't really have it down the stretch. And that was, that was another reason why the Knicks just couldn't keep up in the second half of this one. But early on, like he was doing everything and more like he's, I, I wonder if this continues throughout the season, but he's sort of the new Julius Randle this year. And that Julius was w- w- like for a long stretch, I think the best first quarter score in the NBA or one of the top two or three for most of last year, these last few games we've seen Jalen, really embrace that role and he's just coming out he's like all right like like we are getting off to a hot start I'm not leaving it up to anyone else I love that he continues to push pace in non-traditional contexts like off a make like off a miss where the Celtics are back like he is trying to apply some pressure and that was also clearly an emphasis from Tibbs and it was a smart one because I think he was just cognizant of all right without RJ we are just not going to have a luck a lot of luck um, in the half court offensively again yeah, against a team that has as many good rim protectors as the Celtics, like inevitably the Knicks were just not going to be great in the half court in this game. And, and and Brunson did a really nice job pushing at one point, setting up Grimes for wide open three, getting Hart some easy shots. And they needed it tonight. They maybe even needed a little bit more of it. And he possibly just ran out of gas at the end. But it was a great game from him. I will finish up uh, maybe talking a little bit more about the role players and, and the decision to start Josh Hart because we, we both kind of thought that was an interesting one. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to tell everyone at home about our good friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. You can score early this NFL season and this NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's ridiculous. So I'm going to repeat it to make sure you all at home heard it. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Alex, I'm always sure to update people on the championship odds. Recently, I've been talking a lot about the New Orleans Pelicans. I didn't feel that good about the Knicks, but the Knicks have been playing a lot better. And who knows, maybe if some injury luck goes their way, 
they could find their way into the finals. And then once you get there, you never really know. They are plus 4,600. So if you want to make some big money, uh, lay it down on the New York Knicks to win an NBA championship this year. Why not? Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off both the NFL and NBA season's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All righty. Uh, let's, let's keep it going, Alex. Let's talk starting lineup. Because this was something you pointed out to me before the show, and I kind of pushed back on it. But you, you took issue with um, starting Josh Harden this one. And I, I understood it just because the Celtics are so big and like the Knicks already look small in the perimeter. We we've already watched like in the first game of the season, Jason Tatum just kind of torture Quentin Grimes who would be in picture perfect position and it just wouldn't matter. So I understood it from that perspective, but in general, like the, the net rating of that lineup on the year has been really bad. And part of it is that heart has been a little bit more of a hesitant shooter this year, obviously shot it really well tonight. But I'm with you in that I don't love the look of that starting lineup. I think it ended up being fine just because Brunson was so good and Randall was so active early in the game. But if either of those things hadn't been there, like the Knicks could have gotten run out of the building early. So I guess I see both sides of it. But what, what was your take on that? Yeah, I think I just – I think if you're replacing a player in the starting lineup who is as key to what the Knicks do right now is R.J. Barrett, I just feel like you would want to find more of a – more of an analogous player to throw in there to keep the energy going the same way. Um, and, you know, I, I, I wish that it was more tenable to throw quickly in there uh, because I, I do love quickly with Brunson and, you know, having him out there with the shooting and the creation and everything else, I think would be really helpful. But I mean, I would probably throw Dante DiVincenzo out there to start going forward. If RJ Barrett has to miss time any given time. I mean, he wound up only playing 16 and a half minutes in a game where Josh Hart played considerably more in this game. And like, again, you know, Josh Hart kind of he he played a fine game, you know, and, and he had, as you noted, like he shot three of six from three, which is uncharacteristic for him. And DiVincenzo didn't shoot as well. Uh, but I just think fundamentally, if you're looking at what DiVincenzo does, it just lines up so much more with what you're losing from RJ Barrett. Like he's more respected as a shooter than Josh Hart. I mean, part of why Josh Hart was able to make three threes in this game is because just like we've seen with most teams, most teams worth their salt, he got left completely wide open on almost every single one of those attempts. And so the fact that tonight he was able to convert the practice jumpers is cool, but that isn't always the case. And that can sometimes screw the Knicks over, you know, when they have him out there and it's like, okay, the ball gets to Josh Hart. The expectation clearly is if Josh Hart gets it there, that he has the green light to take it. And he often does unless he hits the point, like in the playoffs last year, where he just gets so unconfident in a shot that he refuses to even put it up and just starts trying to put it on the ground and get inside. But like, I don't know. I just think that if you're trying to, if you're trying to kind of, create a lineup that can give you what the Knicks starting lineup has so far this year, which to be clear, they're like one of the best five man units in the NBA right now uh, with how well that they've been playing the, the starting lineup of, of Brunson Grimes, uh, RJ Randall and Mitch. So if you're looking to sort of replicate that, then I think, you know, even if DiVincenzo is a little bit of a size decrease, he still rebounds well for his size which, you know, is part of the thing with with Hart with having him out there is like you want the rebounding and all that. 
But I think that just on offense, he gives you something a little closer to what RJ has been giving you lately, which is, you know, isn't quite the ball handler, obviously, and isn't nearly the player at getting inside and finishing, which is the big thing that you miss out on, but can give you that spot up shooting and spot up shooting gravity that you've been getting from RJ lately can give you the passing ability similar to what RJ gives you and certainly can give you the defensive chops to, you know, kind of force turnovers and, you know, get the fast break going in a game like this where clearly that was the prerogative anyway. It just, I don't know, to me, it may, it would have made more sense to start DiVincenzo, play him like 25 minutes in total or something like that, or let him close the game if he's playing really well, you know, with those starters and then have Josh Hart play instead of like 43 minutes or whatever, play like, I don't know, 35. And, you know, then he can float around, be that bigger presence in the moments that you need him to be as far as, you know, knocking around with a you know a big team like the Celtics but it just kind of I don't know that I hope that Tibbs entertains the idea of not going to this as his go-to uh RJ's hurt lineup and I don't know for sure if that's going to happen because Tibbs like we know him and we know how his brain works and unfortunately I don't think that he's really going to consider that seriously at any point this year yeah, I, I think against the Celtics, I, I ultimately disagree just because we watched Jalen Brown just like physically bully the Knicks at different times. And one time, I mean, DiVincenzo might have just slipped up, but he fell to the ground there. Obviously, this was like a switch situation. There's a play where Al Horford went right at him for a dunk, which which would not normally be the matchup. Um, but I just I, I think this team is too big and they were too willing to attack those matchups like over and over again if the Knicks gave it to them. So this is the one time I actually agree with with Tibbs being a, a size king or, or, or size queen. Um, but in general, I think I would like to see a little bit more DiVincenzo with that group, just because even compared to Hart, like he provides a little extra verve and, and I like the shooting and I, I think, I think it would be fascinating in, in, in the right matchup. So I, I, I definitely, I see the theory there. Um, the only other thing I want to say on Josh Hart before we finished up, I had maybe the play of the year for the Knicks where he went up for a corner three, realized Drew Holiday was possibly going to block it and just threw it off of Drew Holiday, caught it and then drained the three. Like it, it was straight out of like Mike. That was that was really awesome. And and for a moment there, I actually I actually did believe the Knicks were going to win because I was like, all right, you can't, you can't waste that play happening. Um, Quinn Grimes, I wish he had tried to do a little bit more off the dribble. Great night shooting for him, four for six from three. But just literally, just didn't do anything else. Had one assist, had zero rebounds, no steals, no blocks. I didn't really notice him on defense, which which might have been a good thing. Like obviously he was he mostly, I think, got um like. He got some Drew Holiday in this game. He got like a little bit of time on Tatum and Brown. Like he was, he was okay on that end. Um, I just want, I, I just think on a night where RJ Barrett's not out there, if he's on the court for 28 minutes, like I, I don't love him taking six shots and Josh Hart again, I guess in 15 more minutes, but taking twice as many, that just, that feels off to me. But look, I, that's not me calling out Tibbs. That's me calling out Grimes. Like he has to seek out those opportunities. Um, and then the one other thing, Alex was like, I was like a tiny bit, disappointed Mitchell Robinson because obviously like the first Celtics game was maybe the one game of this year that he didn't really make a massive impact and the same was kind of true today and and clearly defensively it is always going to be a struggle for him in this matchup like because he's trying to guard the paint and rush out on Chris Stapp's Porzingis um and they're the Knicks are are never going to just throw one look at KP like they're going to mix up what they're doing um but I, I thought again Mitch was was caught in no man's land a little bit. And I, I don't know what the right answer there is. It's probably him leaning more towards the paint. And if KP kills you, KP kills you. Um, but it wasn't it like that was tough and just total lack of offensive rebounding. The Celtics were 
super physical with him. And like I noted multiple times in the first half where I thought a foul probably should have been called because Al Horford just kind of shouldered him in the back and pushed him out of the way. Um, and once it was called, but most of the time it wasn't. Um, but Mitch just like couldn't really get past that. And, and a- after like a great first play in this game where he set a screen for Brunson, Brunson missed and he just ran and got a put back dunk. Didn't do much. The one positive for Mitch is that I, I just thought back to Alex, like when we used to do like full segments complaining about his screens and how they were non-existent. He's such a good screener now. And, and he knows exactly like it's similar to Dwight Powell where he'll screen and Brunson won't get an advantage. And he'll just say, all right, I'm going to come down two feet and set one on the other side. So that's really encouraging. Love Mitch. Just didn't think this was his best night. And I think this is, is going to continually be a very tough matchup for him. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's, I think it's all matchup dependent to me. You know, I, I don't think that it was like an effort level thing or whatever. It's just the Celtics game plan very well and have the perfect personnel to draw him away from his spots. Uh, and, you know, just kind of, again, to your point too, where they call this game very loose, you know, for the most part, like, I do think that he was he was doing his usual thing, but not getting, you know, we'll see often he gets a few calls a game usually for, you know, someone pushing him or whatever, because he's just he's such a presence in the paint. And, you know, teams, that's like their only choice is to foul him because they just don't know how to deal with them otherwise. And I, I do think that he didn't really get the benefit of those calls in this game, which was unfortunate. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, you know, for you know, you could just call it matchup dependent or whatever, but also just straight up, you know, it was not one of his best games of the season. I I don't know that I would have necessarily left Porzingis alone on the perimeter after how he destroyed the Knicks in the first game, which is why I sort of respected Mitch playing it how he did. And yet, unfortunately, you know, without anything better in the game plan to deal with that, like you're kind of just resigning yourself to, well, one of our best players and one of our best, you know, guys that uh, really dictating the flow of any given game is just going to be completely taken out of this game by this matchup. And that's it. There's nothing they can do about it. Or at least in, in these first two games, there's kind of been nothing the Knicks have been able to do about it in terms of those lineups when Porzingis is out there. Um, Other than that, I, I can't think of too many more individual player notes here before we wrap up. Uh, I guess my, my last thing would just be to roast Wally Zerbiak a little bit. Uh, this man had the the gall to, on the sign off, say, uh, or in the sign off to a commercial break, say, "Oh man, we got a, we got a real, you know, real fun game at the Garden here." Mm-mm-mm-mm. No, sir, that's not the Garden. It's that place in Boston is not the Garden. You know, call it the stupid TD Garden or whatever. That's not the Garden, sir. You work for the New York Knicks. Get it right. Clyde would never. <laughs> yeah, Clyde would never. A garden. Yeah, yeah. We're having a fun game in a garden. That that yeah, would have been fine. That would have been a great amount of shade. But you're you're working for the Knicks now, buddy. You're not playing for the Celtics anymore. You know, get that get that sorted out. Yeah. I also I love this happens almost every time he does a game. Breen uh, Breen almost called him Clyde and, and admitted to it. And while I was like, well, that's a compliment. I was like, nope. It's just that he really misses Clyde. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's, it's every time they do a game together, he's like Clyde, and he looks over sad. He's kind of like, oh. I'm going to feel so bad whenever Clyde like finally retires. Like, I think we're going to get a full season of like Mike being like, you know what, Clyde? Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm going to be, it's going to be funny, but it's also going to be sad. 
Anyways, on that dour note, uh, I think appropriate to wrap up what was a somewhat dour game for the New York Knicks. They will get a chance to bounce back against uh, the hated Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks on Wednesday. We'll have full coverage of that one for you. We'll, we'll have something to talk about tomorrow. Um, but until then, uh, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. And we will talk to you all very, very soon on Locked on Knicks.